You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Erev Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizchol the Arisa. I'm Aprom Kipolevich, and I have the schus to be partnered, at least sometimes, with Hagoyin, Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bechofel, and Rabbi Yosef, it's been a tough, tough tkufe. Um, we've commented on it. Um, we talk about din, chirum. I think that one of the things I'd like to do, and I, I maybe you share this with me, is let, let us escape a little bit from the tzora in a way. The tzoras that are surrounding us that we are frustrated with and trying to manage and go to something that I think that we did very well in our second sophomore season. It wasn't sophomoric at all. We started the alternate histories. And we've got a lot of great input about that. And um, a lot of people dumped on me, which you were happy with. And a lot of people um, were Zafriden uh, with you, which you were happy with. So I think that, you know, uh, as I was walking the dog this morning, it came to me. A, a Gewaldic Einfall. I'm not sure why it had to do with walking the dog. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's pretty uh, weird. Okay. But yeah, ahead. look, you know, you have to use, you have to be, I mean, sometimes when, you know, unfortunately, when you have to uh, uh, pick up the, what the dog is, is might see, it's hard to be Mekai Belechta What? The dog's, name? What? The dog's dog? name, her name is Dolly. Oh, okay. Dolly. Hey, the, Dolly Lama. I yeah I think it's more not D L D A L I, but you know what we Salvador like Salvador Dali. It's no, it's not like Salvador Dali. It's more like um, Dolly Parton from um, oh. from uh, country music fame. Okay. <laughs> but um, she is only uh, she's a thirteen year old Pomeranian, and uh, as I was walking, I, it came to me an episode Einfall about something that, uh, and I think that you have a, a big Kesher too. Uh, and that is like this. Um, we know that one of the most important uh, Kirov movements, and we've talked about it, one of the most important uh, movements, of course, has been Chabad, as Lubavitch. And it was, of course, whatever the, the Yosef Yitzchok was setting the table for, it clearly moved into a whole different realm with the figure of, of, of Menachem Mendel Schneerson, um, an incredible, incredible pa'il, a thinker, uh, a person who thought in, in, in very big terms of Mitzayim about what is going to happen for Klal Yisrael, education-wise, Torah Mitzvah-wise. And it's, it's, it's not without reason that so many great, great minds and tr- tremendous Tamidah Chachomim were machnia themselves and understood that he represented a different type of of human being, a, a, a not maybe if I if we're not going to necessarily ascribe to him the the madregas that the, that the Chabad Hasidim ascribed to him, but clearly a giant when the history of Torah of the 20th century is is written, a, he is definitely a giant in terms of how uh, the, the influence and how he strode. Now, what I wanted to ask you is the following: We know that you know the Rebbe. We have images of him as of a young man. Those images, of course, have been doctored, as you know, sometimes when um, the, the official histories are written. 
but we know that uh, you know he was the he had married the the second daughter of uh, the Rayats, um, Chayamushke, and and yet it was clear from his kishrenos that he was going to be the mamshich. He was going to be uh, he was going to be holy the messias. But we know that so clear. what? Not so clear. I think that's official history. I mean, for, don't forget, it was a year after the Rayats was nifter until they appointed the the the, the, the Menachem Mendel. And during that year, I think there was a lot of politics back and forth. Who's going to take over? If Rabbi Gurari would have taken over, would be made much more of a conventional Hasidus. So I think that is something that we can definitely talk about today, had Rabbi Gurari been the one that was chosen. But I actually want to zero in on something else. Assuming that Rabbi Nachman Mendel's uh, persona and other things would have carried the day at the end um, in this discussion. Let's say he would have been Zoycha, he would have given given and given the Brocha of Zarishel Kayoma. He would have been given uh, daughters or sons. Would that have changed Chabad to see this? Because I have a, a feeling, and, and this is maybe, again, if the Chabadskers are listening, they're probably going to come and torch my place because of this. Or maybe they feel I've already torched myself. Give me address. What? You give your address. <laughs> They'll find it. Believe me. They'll find it. It's not going to be hard for them to find it. When Chabad wants to get at somebody, they find them. Don't worry. There's plenty of Satmar Chassidim in Williamsburg who know, uh, who, have, who, have, who have tasted the fists <laughs> of the Chabad, of the Chabad Chassidim when, 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 it came, when it was lashed out. They know how to find somebody. But here's my theory. Part of his great sense of where he was going and what was going to happen might have been tethered to the fact that it was clear that he wasn't going to have a Yerish, that he wasn't going to have a child, that he wasn't going to have a next Rebbe following him. And, and, and all of a sudden, what starts to happen is the seven Echolois and the seven Rebbes is the seven, is, is, is he's Malchus. And the fact that he was, and again, why, if I, could, I don't know what, what stories are about HaKadosh Baruch being Menoyim Imenu Pribotem, but clearly the idea of this is the last, and what we're doing, we're here in Messianic Zmanim. And, and, and it's, it's obvious based on what happened after he died, uh, that there was, it was such a, a shock to the system. But can we imagine a, 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 a situation where the Rebbe and Rebbe Tzanchaya Mushka, we talked about her in previous podcasts, that they had, let's say, sons, daughters. Would, would, do you think Chabad Chassidus would still have had the large size ideas they had and the messianic aspect to it? What do you think? Yes. You think the Rebbe, the Rebbe I believe, uh, saw himself as being uniquely dynamic and he was uniquely dynamic. And uh, I think that even if he were, uh, uh, even in the years where it could, be, it could have been assumed that his nephew would have taken over, right? I don't think, in which there, in case there would be a continuation, I don't think anybody would have thought that the Rebbe would have changed his policy just because there was somebody who might take over. I think the same would be true if he had a kid. Yes, he would have groomed the kid to take over and be the next Yechid of Clovis. But the bottom line is that he would still believe himself to be the Yechid of Clovis and to be the Moshiach of the generation. So, so, so I, I think that at the end of his life, had he had close relatives who were able to ground him, then I think he might have been less uh, overt about uh, the Moshiach issue. 
And he, but he had, of course, nobody to ground him. And though his wife uh, was passed away and had no children. And therefore, really, there was nobody to come to him and say, you know. Uh, I mean, can we put it on the table that the Rebbe spoke with very clear tones that he felt he was the Mashiach? Isn't I was about to say that. Before you interrupted me, I was going to say that it's clear that at the end of his life, the Rebbe believed he was Mashiach. How much earlier the Rebbe began believing that, maybe from the first Sikho, like the Brisco Rebbe said, uh, it's quite possible, maybe only from the, the 1970s, but at the end, he certainly believed he was Mashiach. I don't think there's a question about that. Except, and don't um, you think that, the, that if he would have had children and he would have seen a door after him, grandchildren, and there would have been this court that would have arisen around him and, and, and don't you think that that would have blunted this messianism? Not at all. So he would have been the Mashiach and, and he would have and, and, and what Again, would he... He might, he might not have come out as clearly as being Mashiach as we perceive him to have come out but he certainly would still have this notion of the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe being something special. Yeah. Mm. Especially with all they accomplished in this world. The um, you know I, I I I would like to disagree with you, and again, it's hard for me because we I wasn't around when these mitzvahim. It's not hard for me to disagree with you, but it's hard for me to prove what I'm saying. Possibly to prove what you're about to say, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would, yeah. Again, it would be it would take a lot of uh, evidence that I guess <laughs> there is no evidence you can imagine what you're about. To okay, say. whatever we go can imagine here that are it's incidental. But I think that what that that when a person doesn't have a family, doesn't have children, I think he starts looking about his purpose in life. And even these great mitzvahim that he had conceived, don't you think in some way that was like taking the place for uh, not having the children itself? In, in fact, the Rebbe becoming the great Malamid for Klal Yisrael. Well, let me say it even better. The idea that so many children were named Menachem Mendel. Don't you think that was sort of like the Rebbe has no children and we're all the Rebbe's children? No, they, are, they weren't named after the Rebbe. They were named after the Tzemach the, Tzemach. The, the oh, come on. You're, the, the people that are named Menachem Mendel. He was Nifter. Okay. You don't think the Rebbe saw the, 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 the prevalence of Menachem Mendel as being sort of I like... I so prevalent. I think it's like Yoelish, but it happened much more after it was Nifter. It was only after he died that this came. While well, he was the Nachman was one of the always one of Lubavitcher names. I understand. Main name. Um, Lamaisa, um, you know, why don't we compare other people like the Chazanish, who, who had no children, or Rabbenach Leibowitz, who had no children. Rabbenach Leibowitz is uh, um, kind of was like started up time, which is kind of like you know the the antithesis and. At the same time, the very similar to Lubavitch. But the Rosh Hashivas and Chofetz Chaim now, none of them are, are the, they're not from the Leibowitz family? No. They're just Talmidim. No. Yeah, which, which me and you would probably say makes a lot of sense. We all, we all know, of course, that, that after the first Lubavitch Rebbe passed away, there, of course, was the great Strashela Machlekes about who should be, who should take over Chabad. There was Rav Aaron Alevi of Strashele, and there was a very, um, uh, the Mittler, as we know, was, uh, I think, right? The Mittler was Rav Dov Bear, was it Rav Dov Bear? So he was not charismatic, um, and the Strashele had a lot of chevra that went with him. 
people felt Rav Aaron of Strashelil, he understood Chabad Chassidus even better. Um, the same way, you know, in, in many ways, people who know a little bit of Chassidish history know that the Chabadsker himself sort of took over when Menachem Mendel Vitebsk uh, abdicated and decided he was going to go to Eretz Yisrael. And when Menachem Mendel Vitebsk goes to Eretz Yisrael, he leaves already a group that's involved in a more intellectual type of Chassidus, a more quasi- You're of a, val- val- a very important point, which is that right before the Second World War, there was the, the Kapus branch of Chabad, which existed and had its center uh, I'm not sure right, during the Soviet, Union, Soviet times, but before the Soviet Union, in Bobroisk, in, uh, in, in, in Latvia, in, in Belarus, I think it is now. Um, and Rev Zevin, for example, was sure. in the Kapust line, and the Rogachava was in the Kapust line, and they were not direct adherents of the, uh, the, the Rashab and the uh, Marats. And yet, because whatever you want to blame it on, the Second World War or that being a, 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 a heir apparent, the bottom line is that because of the charisma of the Rebbe, all these offshoots were Mabat al Das to the Rebbe. Even people like Rav Klushkin, who was a religious Zionist Chabadsker, right? They, they, they all in the end were Mabat al Das to the Rebbe. I think the Rebbe's charisma was such and his, and his aspirations. And his accomplishments were such that people were about to ask him, and that therefore, even even were to have a son, his personality being so outside. So it happened to my grandfather, as you know, his personality being so, and to Rabbi Chorikov, his brother-in-law, his personality was so outside that everything was. But let's talk about the Bechhofer uh, connection. You know that um, we've talked okay. on this program. I think it was okay. what. Okay, I'm sorry for, for, for impinging on the great Shochet, but we've talked about, people don't know this, I was about to get there. We've talked on this program about our mothers, and I've talked about your mother, Shalom, and, and that she was a Shochet girl, and her, all of her brothers, correct, all became... One. What? Except one. Except one, became Chabad Chassidim, some of them extremely prominent. So... What, what 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 was the rationale? I mean, I had discussed to speak to your uncle. We once uh, had a conference call with him. Uh, I don't know if you remember. We called him from Skokie, yeshiva. We were able to ask him some questions. It was really, uh, you know, he was chaval al da'avdim. But 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 your uncle, uh, Rabbi Emanuel Shochet. But what what was going on over there? Why were they? Why did they decide to to to, to throw themselves into Chabad? The the, uh, the uh, my grandfather saw the Chabad. As a direct continuation of, of his tells, Hashkafa, uh, which meant that here are people trying to fix the world. The Rebbe was an extraordinary time of was trying to fix the world. The Rebbe clearly had an aura of holiness to him. And the same thing was true about my uncles, a lot of whom were very, you know, classic, shocked, cynical, sarcastic, doubting, questioning. And they at first, some of them would refuse to stop shaving when they went to Chabad. So things like that. But they, the aura of the Rebbe was such that people who had personal shyness to the Rebbe succumbed to it. Now, people so they, later they, on, they didn't, I, don't, I don't know exactly why anybody would succumb today. I don't know anybody who doesn't have personal they, they didn't find some of the Hanhogas to be a little bit extreme and, 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 and the charisma being smothering in any way? 
Obviously not, which is probably shocking to me and you, but obviously not. <laughs> I'm saying, but they were, again, when you were- Never mind, they were there in the 50s. They weren't there in the 80s. So you're saying that maybe the Rebbe himself, as a younger person, had been a little less aggressive in terms of what he was demanding from his season. No, I think he always demanded a lot, but I think that he had more personal connection to them and they had were truly inspired by him in a direct way. Mm-hmm. So even people who are normally cynical and sarcastic, when they come across such a personality, they tend to uh, be impressed. Okay, but and, and did they buy into the fact, as, and you have lectured on this, even when you were a, a young 20-something-year-old, about, uh, about what, what Chabad believes that Rebbes are. I don't know, somewhere that you could probably get these recordings from the Brandman Tape Library. Uh, we should send out Tifrei Nechom of about... Uh, about uh, uh, Shmuel Brandman's uh, Rebetzin, his wife, Nebuchadnezzar, should send out a a Divrei Nechama, because they, in a way, they were supportive of us, and we, that was sort of where we first became media giants. But somewhere on those recordings, you do speak about the the fanaticism of of, of feeling about who this Reb is, that the Reb wasn't just a great tzaddik and the tzaddik ador, but he was actually his galus of, 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 of God, that he was, that he was greater than, than, than perhaps Tanoyim and Amaroyim, right? So you're going to tell me that Manny Shochet or Manuel Shochet and, 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 and company, they actually bought into this totally and completely that, that what they had within their midst was, was, was Mamish of No. There's nothing to do with Elokus. Elokus came later. So, so have they, have they... They all believe the Rebbe died. They believe the Rebbe died, but they believe... That I when, can't say for that for all my cousins, but all the, the uncles all believe the Rebbe died. Right, but, but, but they believe that in his life, he embodied Midas Hamalchus, and therefore the, he was the living embodiment of Midas Hamalchus in this world. Do they believe that? Well, I don't mean by Midas Hamalchus. Bear in mind, he always wore a uh, beat-up Stetson. So I'm not sure what the, uh, uh, you mean by malchus. You mean by, I mean by is, what I having, mean is, having a having an approach which looked to be with achrayas towards the whole world and had an attitude that, that it was incumbent upon him to be masak in the world. Yes. Is there anybody else? Who has what, that I, what I mean is the tenth sphere. I don't mean. I mean similar to the Sabbatean theology that that human being, the Mashiach, has within himself. He's an he is just like always hein hein Merkova, that the always are the Merkova. Yeah, I don't think they came later. Again, could be the rabbit held that early because they say you know the first Sikha, that's uh, one which seems to indicate that the rabbit held that about himself at a very early stage. Uh, but uh, but I don't think the Hasidim in the nineteen fifties and even the sixties had that attitude towards rabbit. The attitude towards rabbit was the rabbit was a tremendously amazing individual even. Had the possibility, obviously they held he was a god of Azor, and obviously they held, although a Litvak would not rely on this, that he had some sort of power of making life sim, and uh, therefore they were attracted to him, very much so. And again, I don't think any, unless a child could actually be guaranteed to have had the same charisma, if the Rebbe had had a child, it would have made no difference. If it would have, a child had, had actually been raised. You know, Flamalchus, Seleka, and had all these uh, attributes. Maybe things would have been somewhat different, 
but not sufficiently different that well, I could say that uh, it would have made a difference in the long run. Yeah, like I said, I have no proof to it, but my feeling is is that when people, uh, it's just the teva of, of, of the oilam, that when, when you don't have something to be the, a living... How did it affect the chazanish? Okay, let me just, just reiterate this. I think Chabad would have, this is really my point. I think the Rebbe's vision would have been, first of all, there would have been clear who the lieutenants carrying it out is. I think there would have been a, a and I think it would, it would have been easier for them to develop connections to other chassidusen as well. The, the same way the Rebbe himself had a pretty decent relationship with Rav Moshe and others. We know Rav Moshe was called a number of times to become a Chabad Rosh Hashiva. Um, Small, Rabbi Small nixed it. But before he took over this Rosh Hashiva, or even while, even while he was an MTJ, there was a discussion that he should become the Rosh Hashiva in uh, the Lubavitch headquarters. And Rav Moshe was very close to taking that. And throughout their life, Rav Moshe and the Chabadsker had a very nice yachas. I think that had there been children, I think the Yachosim between Chabad and the other parts of Yiddishkeit would have gone a lot smoother. I think the Rebbe wouldn't have been as aggressive in some ways. And I think there would have been a more, we would call a more, not run of the mill, but a chassidus that would be more normal and could lead in a better way than it did when there was no heir apparent. And I think what happened is it, it, it lends itself to loonies uh, you know, getting a hold of whatever these maimarim are and running with it. Um, and as opposed to when you have the living children or the son-in-laws, I think that would have made a difference. You, you, dis, you still re- continue to disagree with me? Yeah, I definitely do disagree with you. Okay, well, uh, again, and therefore I would say that it's a tragedy in a way um, that... Uh, that whatever, have... whatever Messiah complexes you and I have, <laughs> we have, despite the fact that we have children. Okay. Let us get Speak that for clear. yourself. Speak okay. for yourself. Oh, no, I am actually speaking for you as well. But you think so? Yes. I, I complex you know why? You, you remember my, you remember my, my, my Brandman lecture on the Maribe Rav. That's what you remember. So you think that that's why I, I, I felt a, a, an affinity to the Maribe Rav's plan to, to, to bring Mashiach, so to speak. That's what you're going with. Because I don't think, I don't think I've done stuff, um, that have been so obvious in any way. Um, no, no, I, yeah, obviously, you're about and you're just waiting to buy your time. That's uh, buying your time. But I think that the CIA complex is so independent of family issues. No, I, I, I disagree. I disagree. And I think, I think there would have been... You no, know, the wife is holding you back from declaring yourself Mashiach. Could be. What I would say is, is that there is... That, that Chabad, you, do you agree, though, that Chabad went into complete disarray with the Rebbe's death and that there was a lot of... No, uh, actually, you know, I was surprised. I, I was surprised. You know, of course, uh, you know, one would have, uh, uh, would have expected that to happen, but it didn't go into as much disarray as one would expect. You know, if anything, the, the, shlu, the shluchim have proliferated exponentially since the Rebbe's Petiva. So, yeah, yeah, and true, but the idea of is he dead, is he alive, do we say he, if, if he would have had children, you think... I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's a functional chassidus, but it's a successful chassidus. And again, I, I, like, like I said, listen, this is all our alternate 
but it would have been incredible. Because, <coughs> you know, I remember there was talk and, and people said, I, I asked people about this after Steinsalt died a number of months ago. And they said it was really empty, empty speculation that he would somehow uh, take the reins. Of, of course, it was ludicrous. It was absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. However, it, it really brought to the fore that had there been an obvious, <coughs> I think, again, I think the same way, um, you know, th there's always the next generation is able to be more diplomatic. I think there could have been a Sholem. Look, we know that the Mariats. Sholem was home. Was, was Nebrak? I'm talking about the ugly, ugly. I talked about how Chabad can find your address and beat you up. You know as well as I do, the, the way Chabad spoke about Rav Aaron and spoke about the whole Yeshiva Shevelt, they considered Rav Aaron a Ritzayach, and they hated, I mean, again, if you get a Chabad skirt in the right mood, and you can tell everybody what I'm holding up here to the screen, you get a Chabad skirt in the right mood. Wrong type. What? Wrong type. You, right, well, yeah, it's Williamsburg. But you could, you get the right, you get the right type of white stuff into the Chabad skirt, you're going to hear invective like you've never heard uh, towards towards the Litvishevelt, towards the Rosh Hashivas. I mean, in a way, and, 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 the, and the, the, the Yeshiva Shevelt knows that. And because of that, the, the, the great... The, the, the invective against uh, um, Litvishevelt has to do with Chalukah during World War II in, in Shanghai. And I don't know that that actually would change uh, if the Rebbe had a kid. Because the Chaluka was the Chaluka was historical um, uh, rift, which was never, I don't probably was never completely, I guess, was never completely healed. I'm not sure what would have healed it then. And when the uh, the rift between Rav Shach and the Rebbe became like, so exacerbated in in the in the early '80s, I don't think having a kid would have made that change. If anything, the the would have gone on to the next generation. Yes, or say so. Yes, or always. I'm not sure why you think that having a kid is going to would make Sholem. Hasidim don't make Sholem. It's not so, their style. Okay, let's let's move from this alternate history, which clearly we disagree about what it would have been. I, I think, again, I, I think it would have been a rosier thing. And I think we would have been able to get some of the incredible positivity. And I think there would have been more sheet of pu'ula between Chabad and other Hasidism and Chabad and the Litvish Velt. But you asked me about other uh, G'dayla Yisrael, who weren't Zoycha to have children. All right, I know that, you know, I wanted this to be about Chabad, and you've been pretty candid about uh, your connection to Chabad, and, you know, perhaps one day they'll get a, one day they'll grab you. Um, no, I don't like Yechida Clovis. I'm never going to be, there are two things I can, which make me not Chabad. I don't believe in the doctrine of Yechida Clovis, and I don't believe in Bittu. Yeah, well, that I, that's going to be harder. I think that um, for you to be mavatli yourself, people Except have to, to you, of course. You, you, you know what? You won't, there's only one bittel that you can do. If someone just has to slam you over the head because you never do it willingly. You have to be... You, the only bittel you take is when it's okay, coming it's straight forward. Okay, so let's talk about, since you wanted to, uh, about someone who's sometimes compared to the, to, to the Chabadsker in terms of being an architect of, of, of where Yiddishkeit was going, and the Chazonish, um, who was also uh, incredibly uh, successful as, as a visionary, a leader of what I guess today you would call is Haredi Judaism, right? Your Haredi Yeshiva Judaism. Um, the whole idea of building B'nai Brak, uh, the, the, the type of strength that he gave to all the community, all the, the neighborhoods there, whether it's um, 
Zichan Meir, Ponovich, everything that was there, the Chazanish conceived of something out of Yerushalayim that could be a, 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 a Mitzar of Teira. And also, of course, the Chazanish's, I mean, there's no way else to say it, this incredibly fundamental, solid reworking of learning uh, that, that, that his Sfarim indicate. Uh, it was, he was very much not, as we know from his Gilyonis on, on, on Rechaim, starting with crossing out Rabbeinu, that was the first thing that he did, was cross out the word Rabbeinu, he says, Rabbeinu shreit ben blezav Um The Chazanish was very much, uh, you know, his own powerful, uh, dynamic, incredibly dynamic personality in terms of what he tutored, despite the fact that as a young person, he was quite nechba lekeuma. You know, the the the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I think, had a lot of pizzazz even when he was a young fellow. The Chazanish was sort of like, you know, you, you would trip over it. You know, he was he had to be pushed into the limelight. Um, I, I, you know, people talk about the Rebbe as you know, supposedly the, the uh, Rav Soloveitchik said that he had a bikias that was that was unworldly. Uh, his bikias, it was like so immense. And even though I know from uh, an uh, something I heard from Y.Y. Jacobson that there was a chevra who wrote up the notes for the Wakute Sichas and the Meir Makoimis, but the Rebbe went over them, and the Rebbe was in many ways, you know, he, look, you look at that, he, he did it without uh, computer help, but he he had some help. But um, what? They didn't, they didn't look over ahead of time. Look afterwards. Afterwards, I'm saying they worked on it. The Rebbe then looked at it. The Rebbe made corrections, but the Rebbe himself was a fount of incredible uh, knowledge. That is probably you know uh, incredible in terms of not only the breadth of his bikiyas, but where he throws from. Whether it's a goyin and mishle or a zayir chodosh, or and, and and he seemed to have had it very close to his fingertips. Um, the Chazanish, I think you would agree, had a certain intellectual power in in Iyun and Havana that I don't think the Rebbe, the Rebbe doesn't even talk that language. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the, the Rebbe's lumdus, you got to admit, is is is, is parav, don't you think? No, I think it's very much Rogachov and Rebbe's Bengal. Yeah, okay. But it's, but, but it's nuch gemacht. I'm saying the Chazanish is, is original is an original uh, writer. He's very original thinker. See, what uh, the Rebbe could have done, like the Chazanish, Chazanish obviously adopted his nephew, or nephews, I don't know how many, as uh, a a, a surrogate son. And uh, he groomed them as clearly from a very young age. I don't know if his successors, I don't think Chazanish necessarily thought in those terms, but um, he that he put his, he put his koichas into his uh, into his family right. to the extent right the ones that he had. look he was very close to his brother-in-law and he was very close to Rav Chaim and to Rav Nissen Karelitz and and the others so what you have there is is a bastion and and I would say despite some of what people would say in terms of the humrus I would say a lot more normal and and being able to be typhus. I mean you there's a lot of chavivos a lot of humanity. If you read the stories that abound, you don't have stories of Malchus uh, and, 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 you know, like ep- epigrammic statements and things. You're really talking about real human beings that, um, despite, you know, others have tried to paint them as completely uh, out of this world. 
the Chazanish, I think, had a very nice connection to his mishpacha. And um, so if the Chazanish had had children, do you think things would have been that different? I don't think so. I think the Chazanish really had no, um, had no, uh, had no affinity for family life. Um, he was, uh, I think he was Benazayin. He only got married as like a chesed to this woman who nobody else would marry. And uh, he, uh, to, the extent, to the extent that he was, had affinity family life, he found its expression through his uh, extended family. Through his wife's family, through and, and, and the Greinemans and, and the others who, who really, and again, you know, like you say, um, the Chazanisha's the Chazanisha's Chuyas are incredible in terms, and again, I, I have my problems with Benjamin Brown, ben, Benjamin Brown's book on the Chazanisha, which I, I think you have, don't you? Yeah. You don't have it? Yeah. yeah. But it's at least a, a, um, a, 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 a very important um, monograph, a gigantic you know, monograph biography, which led to a, a lot of thinking about the, what the Chazanisha was able to do. And and what and, and what his importance is and what it continues to be, um, I think with the Rebbe, unfortunately, the academic stuff about the Lubavitcher Rebbe is is coming out, but it's very hard for it to because there's so much, um, you know, the, the Chabadskers are so guarded about it, uh, and I think it's therefore difficult in many ways to be Meshayer. I mean, it, it, it's, it needs still to be written. Let's talk about someone else who um, and our and our I think. I think you know Mark Shapiro as well as I do. Uh, I think you've, uh, you know, again, I was Zelcha to, and I'll say as close to have a connection to him, and, uh, and, and, and I, I wish I still had a stronger one because I respect him as a scholar. Um, and I think he's done a lot, he's contributed a lot. Uh, Mark Shapiro, of course, um, uh, stole my idea. This was my idea that I told Nip of Nissen Wolpen, so Oliver Shalom, so many years ago, that I wanted to do a work on the Three Day Aish. And I, that was, he told me, you know, can you write, you know, he wanted me to do Rizcha Daraisa. He said, you know, you could probably give us comments on the Jewish scene. That's what he said to do, you know, write me some stuff. Cause I, I, I as you know, I'm, I'm not that bad at, at writing. Uh, I, I, I was the editor, the English editor of the Or Shmuel. And uh, I do have a little bit of sense of how, uh, you know, prose should be put down. And Ravnissen Wolpen, uh, said, you know, why don't you come and write for the Jewish Observer, write stuff on the Jewish scene. And I said, Rabbi Wolpen, I would like to do a, a re-examination or examination, really honest one, of the Sri Deyesh, Rabbi Hiliak of Weinberg. Um, and, and I think Mark Shapiro, really, in, in, in that book, which I don't know if, if his other works have uh, surpassed them or not, but I think it really still stands as a, as a very good place to start to thinking about what does it mean to be a great person Living in, in, in tumultuous, difficult times, and and being surrounded by by difficulty and having issues of, even of personality to overcome. Um, what's your take? Do you think that the Sridiyesh would have been different had he had? Um, I mean, we all know he stayed. He didn't go to Eretz Yisrael. He stayed the last years after the war, sort of like in in in, in exile in Switzerland, writing. Uh, sort of psalkim in a certain way and being connected to Talmidim, but clearly not assuming what he could have, not like Rechazko Abramsky and others. He didn't come and assume a, a leadership role. You think if he would have had children, things would have been different? You know, it's a good point. I think if he would have been, not, not just children, he was only married for a brief amount of time. 
and Mark Spear was not able to really find out that much about his wife and marriage. Um, so the, um, uh, I think that had he been married and so he had children, he would have been less of a hermit. I think that the Babacha Rebbe had a tendency to be a hermit, the Chazanish had a tendency to be a hermit. I don't think the Sidesh the, the had an intrinsic tendency to be a hermit, but uh, he was, um, on account of the circumstances of his life, that's what he became. And uh, it probably was a great loss for Claudius Yisrael that he was not more uh, out there and more involved and more near Abrios. And uh, I, I don't know, obviously, what's the chicken, what's the egg, whether the fact that he was the sweet age is the reason why he didn't get married or, or, or his marriage didn't last and he didn't have children or um, it's the other way around. But uh, certainly one can imagine him having a much greater sphere of influence were he to have this actually broken out of Montreux and actually... Now, we know the Vineguards took good care of him. And, um, you know, they were sort of like his, his surrogate family that he had. Um, he took and, care of him. Yeah. What? Took care of him. Yes. And in and, and, and many ways, they fought Mark Shapiro about what is the literary and intellectual legacy of this three-day age. But I think Mark Shapiro, you know, makes a good point that when we, when, when we look at, for example, the pieces that we both are familiar with in Sri Dayesh and some of the later volumes that came out, that's a Derek Alimud, which I think, you know, we talk about Dark Alimud, you mentioned Rakhid Shover and Yosef Engel and the Chabadsker, who, who added a, a whole layer of Bikiyas to that. We talk about the Chazanishas, Derek of Amelus and Amkus and being Oymid, really going back to fundamentals and really saying Dvarim that, that are Meir Asainayim and, and also such a beautiful Kayak. I think the Sridesh also had something that could have been a very wonderful and still is for those who, who go there an alternative to, um, to Brisker Lumdus or even these other things. You know, there was, it was a mix of Mechkar plus. But not the mechkar that 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 you know that, that gets Toshma and others in trouble. It's like it's 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 it, there's enough of the mechkar of the Tesefta and the Gersoyas and the Schoyas, but done with with with, with the Lamdin's laser-like focus. Um, and, and and people who are familiar with the Chuvas of radiation, the Hetayim, know what I'm talking about. But I'm really talking more about his what he left over in terms of sugis and learning. I think had there been children. I think we could have really talked about uh, a yeshiva that was built, the, you know, again, and, and, and there could have been really, I, I believe, a three-day age derech, which to me is, is more emistic. I mean, part of the three-day age was, could not match the Rogan Shover in terms of, of, of his pure intellect. But he was right that the Rogan Shover learning, you can't, make that into any sort of standardized derech for anyone. That is something that you need to be, you have to have the build brilliance to be able to do it. I think what the Sridayesh could have modeled, and had he had children, he would have been modeled, would be something, would be an option that would not, that I think couldn't be open to the types of critique that yeshiva shagribble arai and over-pilpalization is oimed to. Um, which, so, I, I, so I guess... So on that we agree that this was right, but right. So basically, yeah, Chabadsker, no difference. Chazanish, he made up the difference. Sridiyesh, that could have been really a nafkamina had there been children and 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 maybe a, a happier human being, a person who right. Look, you can see from the letters that 
Mark Shapiro got in trouble with, I think, that letters they wrote to Atlas. They helped get him in trouble, yeah. You helped him get in trouble? Yeah, I helped get him in trouble, yeah. Remind me. I complained to J.J. Shafter. He was the chutzpah of my published letters went against him, Rabbi Nagashi. Uh-huh. But and those were the... Let- keep note in Rabbi Shafter's kind of apology. Oh. Uh-huh. But that was the letters to Atlas. Yeah. And, and, and these are the letters of a, of a person who is looking at what did he accomplish in life? What he was there, and 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 believe me, you know the, um, you know I, I I would say you know if I'm a messianist, you know I I would have been in that in that. Well, uh, we both would have could have been very easy in that situation. Well, I'm saying I would have been with the three day age. I'm saying of these three, look, I I I I I I've, you I don't know if you have. But I've done similar to what they say other people have done. I've stuck my feet in the cold water and and and, and tried to understand not just the paragraphs of the Chazanish. I've tried to connect each paragraph to the major thing that he was trying to say in that parak. And, and and I believe there is incredible depth there. But I think that and and and, and it's worth everyone's while to do that. But I think the three days really could have. You know, it, it really is a shot because I think it would have opened up a, 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 a tremendous Pesach for many today. Um, and it's in the as we say, Rabbi Yosef. The question is, what he could have done if he had Avalos and Hyman uh, Valley? Well, um, I, well, again, we could probably say that uh, had, had Avalos and Hyman uh, meats, which are so succulently prepared, which are, you know, because of Hyman. There's, there's no way that that could have ever, um, and, you know, hurt. <laughs> I would say, if anything, uh, that could have been Moisif, a lot of Simcha Sachayim. Um, and you remember, the, the sausages, which are premier, are uncured. So they are the type of thing that it's perhaps not as healthy as a kale salad. But <laughs> if you are looking for that, meat aspect. It's a great healthy alternative to some of the other cheaper hot dogs uh, and sausages that are out there. And like I said, they help Rizcha Daraisa continue. And if that's, that already is a good enough reason to go out there and make them your meat sausage provision of choice. That's it, my friends, for this alternate situation. Let's, we'll be back again, hopefully next week. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 